Good morning from Rochester, New York, where I landed late last night, very late last night. We got home about 11 p.m. last night. We were supposed to get home around 8 o'clock. This is actually in addition to the podcast. So you're going to hear this part here. Then we're going to go back in time to when I recorded the real podcast several days ago as I was crossing uh, Alligator Alley from one side of Florida to the other. Uh, But I felt I had to add this little uh, addition here at the beginning to talk about two quick things. One very, very quick is uh, uh, I wanted to pay off a tease that I don't think I ever actually pay off in this podcast where I I, at some point in here I'm going to talk about chains and I'm going to talk about how there's only one chain you catch me in regularly and it's Starbucks um, because other coffee shops don't open early enough. So that was one quick thing I just wanted to clean up. I don't know if I ever actually mentioned that I go to Starbucks. Maybe I do. If I do, then, I, then it's redundant, but whatever. Um, the second thing is uh, I want to talk very, very briefly about the flights yesterday, but then I uh, want to get to Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns, of course, for a few minutes. Then we'll go to the real podcast. So uh, yesterday, our flights, we left Fort Myers, Florida. We were, we were supposed to leave at 2.19 p.m. We left uh, about 4.20. But here's the thing that they've been doing. For whatever reason, this happened on three out of four flights for us. So every single flight we took, four, four flights in two different days, last Saturday and then this Saturday, you know, yesterday, um, we were every single flight we took was late, Okay. The first flight from Rochester down to Fort Myers was like an hour late, but here's the thing. They didn't board us until it was time to leave. So that was actually kind of nice because, you know, we at least got to stay in the airport. I mean, late sucked, but based on what happened on the next three flights. So next flight, Fort Myers to, uh, to I'm sorry, Atlanta down to Fort Myers is the one that I talk about where we sit on the tarmac for two hours. Okay, now fast forward to yesterday, and yesterday... We get to Fort Myers Airport. We board on time. We're, go- we're heading to New York City, LaGuardia. We get on the plane, and we get the announcement that actually we're going to be sitting for a while due to backups. We're not going anywhere. We sit on the tarmac for two hours. Then we take off. We get to New York City. It's a rush. We have 11, I shit you not, 11 minutes. The flight attendant even came on during the, the, uh, the flight. Uh, to uh, to to uh, you know to to New York City to say, okay, you know all these different connecting flights. You've got these tight windows, but they did an old school thing where they actually held the flights because there were 17 people on my Fort Myers to LaGuardia flight who were getting on the LaGuardia to Rochester flight. So they actually held the little Rochester plane because you know those planes, the New York City to Rochester planes are small planes. So they actually held it because 17 people would be like a third of the flight. So we get, we start running, we make it, we get on the plane, we get out onto the tarmac, and once again, we get the announcement that we're going to be on the tarmac due to weather in Rochester. So we end up sitting on the tarmac in New York City for close to three hours before we take off. So I would like for you to know that all told, I spent enough time sitting on airplanes on tarmacs in the last week to have flown to Europe. Thank you. Let's get to Deshaun Watson. So the news breaks a couple of days ago, and I haven't said anything about this because I don't know what to say. It is so hard to feel about this, but the news breaks. The Browns have made a deal, Deshaun Watson. Okay, I uh, at the time, you remember the chronology of this was Watson says he's not coming to the Browns. Mayfield demands a trade. Browns deny Mayfield's trade request. Right back to back to back, and now all of a sudden, before Deshaun Watson gets signed. There is a lot of talk about whether or not Baker Mayfield has every right. And I was on team of Baker Mayfield has no right. He's being a little baby. This is a business. The team tried to make an upgrade. Baker just flat out has had some bad times in Cleveland. He, he's just so damn yo-yo-y, right? He played a great year, bad year. Great year, bad year. What are we supposed to think about this guy? The problem is he's not getting better. That's the problem is he's just showing – that he's plateaued around this sort of world where if everything is perfect, he can play well, but anytime anything gets in his way, he's absolutely just baffled beyond the ability to play well. He's not great at getting out of trouble, both short-term and long-term. So the short-term is he's not a great scrambler. The long-term is, you know, if the team's not doing well, he's a drama center. 
if they lose two, three games in a row, all of a sudden Baker's got drama, right? He's like this super competitive guy, but he's like the little train that could. He's he's just kind of not fully there, but he's but he's good enough to be in. It's just frustrating. It's a very frustrating spot to be in with your quarterback. So the Browns, they go out. They make this upgrade. Now, for about 30 seconds, let's talk about on paper. Is he an upgrade on paper? Yeah, of course. Deshaun Watson, top five quarterback in the NFL, and uh, brings a different energy, probably more more talent to the position without a doubt. Deshaun Watson, probably better than you remember him, to be honest. He is Deshaun Watson is a good football player. I mean, go back and look up some stats, and uh, he was very good, and he was easily on his way to, if not already, top five in the league just because – of his sheer ability, his stats. Now, you can say, look, he played for the Texans. He had DeAndre Hopkins he was throwing to. He had Will Fuller. Well, Will Fuller, Fuller's not necessarily a stud. Plus, as we record this, Will Fuller's talking about maybe having some interest in going to the Browns anyway. So, uh, so anyway, he, he was Deshaun Watson is an upgrade at the position, no doubt. But you get this ultimate curveball, this terrible, terrible thing of Deshaun Watson having this supposedly awful character he has been accused 22 times 22 separate women have accused him of uh, sexual misconduct in one way or another Uh, from what I can tell it seems like he was a massage guy he was a guy who liked to try to pressure female masseuse masseuses masseuses into uh into inappropriate acts and uh I don't know I haven't really to be honest with you read the full report I don't I don't I don't know exactly to what extent it's all real, what's not real. I don't, I'm sure it's one of those situations where there's what he says, what she says, and then the truth somewhere in the middle. I, I, that seems to be all of the world. There always seems to kind of be a, a middle. Here's the bottom line. 22 women can't be wrong. I don't think that's possible that you could have 22 different people with the same story, and they all just happened upon the same story. So I think he's probably a scumbag. And I'm stuck in this situation where – I've got this football team that I've rooted for my whole life who mean a lot to me, who I center my falls around. I mean, I literally I, I pay good money to own the NFL Sunday ticket so I can watch my Browns all fall long. And uh, and now all of a sudden they've put me in a position where i got to root for this guy who I can't really root for, right? And so I contemplated everything. I contemplated just kind of blindly going forward as a Browns fan. I contemplated uh, saying I'm not a Browns fan anymore. You know, I'm hashtag Bills Mafia. I'm all in on the Bills. And I'll just flip it to where it's kind of like, you know, I'll be happy for the Browns, the Cleveland area, the Browns organization in general. Like if they finally, and all the legacy Browns, if they finally break through and they were to win one, I'd be happy for them. But I'm a Bills fan now, right? I I, I haven't really landed on either one of those yet. I, I don't I don't know where I am. I don't know. Time will tell. It's It's so hard for me to give up an entire lifetime of being a Browns fan. Because here's the thing, if you're going to start to take people's shitty actions in account, man, I mean, you got to you got to just give up on the NFL period, don't you? I mean, the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes was quote unquote won by the Browns, but I mean, Atlanta, New Orleans, Indianapolis, all these other teams were showing interest in Deshaun Watson. Don't I have to give up on them too? I I mean, what about the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger? I mean, Shouldn't the Steelers fans have to give up on him? Like, what? What am I? I? I don't. I don't know. Can we separate art from the artist? It's one of the longest questions that's ever been. There have been plenty of artists, plenty of artists throughout the years, who have uh, done things that have made us say, "Geez, I'm not sure I should be enjoying this person's art anymore." And what's interesting is we've chosen to and chosen not to in some cases. Uh, let's go to music for a moment. R. Kelly. R. Kelly's basically banned. You don't hear R. Kelly anymore on the radio. or I think you can still go on Spotify and find R. Kelly, but there's no R. Kelly celebration going on. Michael Jackson. His songs are still used. Michael Jackson's still a quote-unquote hit. Right? And, yeah, okay, I know that this conversation can go way deeper and way longer. We can get into the specific allegations because next I'm going to bring up Chris Brown. He's an abuser, right? Chris Brown still has hit music on the radio all the time. I mean, really, this list of artists who have done things heinous that make us, should make us want to give up supporting their art, that list, unfortunately, has gotten pretty long. 
And it's a really good question. Am I allowed to enjoy art by somebody who sucks? And I am here to tell you on this podcast, I don't know the answer yet. I'm sorry. I haven't come out with an answer yet as to whether or not I can actually root for Deshaun Watson. Here's what I think he needs to do no matter what because it would be the right thing to do. He's going to say he can't do this because it would be an, an admission of guilt, but screw that. I think he needs to do this. You ready? Deshaun Watson needs to change the lives of at least 22 people. He needs to go out and find 22 miracles that are just money away from happening, meaning the people just they can't afford the thing they need to have in order to change their lives for the better. Deshaun Watson needs to go out with his own money. He's got enough of it now. And he needs to change 22 lives for the better. Have somebody go out and look for 22 miracles that need done. And Deshaun Watson needs to dedicate himself over the course of the next few months before football season starts to making those 22 miracles happen. He can move mountains with that mountain of cash he now has. Make it happen for at least 22. First. Second. He needs to join forces with and make regular donations of not only money, but also his time and his influence, his spot on national television to support local or even national or whatever, any rape crisis center, sexual assault centers, anything he can do to support those causes. Even as an innocent man, even if Deshaun Watson is saying, I am innocent, I didn't do a thing. And just for the just for shits and giggles, let's say Let's say we were in a scenario where Deshaun Watson was actually an innocent man. What if he actually didn't do a damn thing? What would be the problem with a multi-gazillionaire changing 22 lives for the better? Because there's 22 accusations against him. 22 miracles plus make these donations in time and in-kind donations to these, uh, to, to these charities that help support sexual assault victims what would be the problem in an innocent person doing that why why wouldn't he do that because he's going to say he can't do that because it would look like he's admitting guilt those are the things i think he needs to do those two things are what he needs to do he also needs to marry the market right he's got to go to cleveland and he's got to like support Cleveland. I mean, Deshaun Watson, honestly, is going to get all that money and he's going to play in Cleveland. He's got a big reputation problem here that he's got to get over. I think that he needs to, when I say marry the market, what I mean is I think he needs to be out and about constantly doing acts of good in the Cleveland community. He's got an image to rehab. And uh, can he win forgiveness? It's possible. I don't know. It's probably possible. Also think he needs to, thirdly, he needs to address the allegations head on. I want to see Deshaun Watson in front of a microphone answering questions. That's it. That's what I want to see. I want to see us get as close to the truth as possible. If I can openly support him. Supporting him and supporting the Cleveland Browns organization are probably two different things, although the Cleveland Browns organization made this happen, and that's, you know, not great either. So I, I don't have an answer. Luckily, I don't need one yet. It's March. Football didn't start till September, but I don't have an answer yet. All right, I'm going to shut up. Let's get to the podcast I actually recorded for today. Here I am. Let's go back in time a few days. Here I am down in Florida. Oh, Polly went to Florida. 
while he was in Florida, he was going to do podcasts with Brother Weeze. He was going to do Dan Gray, son of the uh, founder of Bill Gray's. So I can't wait, man. Sunday morning's here. And what is this? What is this episode? Looks like it's just Polly talking. Wah, wah. Ugh. Sorry to disappoint you. I fucked up. I did it wrong. I did it wrong. I'll explain. Let me explain everything. First of all, let me start by explaining that wah, wah actually has two meanings in this podcast. The first meaning of wah, wah is uh, the fact that uh, I am currently driving on something called Alligator Alley. It is I-75. I am somewhere in between the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area and the uh, Naples area of Florida. It basically goes from one side of the state to the other. It's about two full hours from one side of the state to the other, depending on how fast you drive. And based on what I can tell so far on this uh, Alligator Alley, the uh, speed limit is somewhere between 100 and 120, based on how fast these cars are driving. You know what's funny is people are driving really fast here, but there's still a, like, a... um, there's still always going to be that truck going 65 miles an hour and the car that chooses to pass it at 66 miles an hour. So you get these little mini traffic jams along Alligator Alley where that happens, where the where the, <laughs> where the 66 mile an hour car goes, I'm going to pass this truck. <laughs> Who cares about the 57 cars behind me trying to go 100? Uh, anyway, wah wah has this meaning. Right before I got on the road just now, I was in Fort Lauderdale, heading over there, like I said. I made a stop at a place called Wawa. And let me explain my philosophy on chain restaurants in general and on vacation before I get to my my review of Wawa. So here's the deal. I do not hate chains. Am I a little bit anti-chain? Yes. Why? Because they're chains, right? I want to support local. I want to, like, take a guy. I want to, I don't know, first restaurant pops in my head. I want to take Art Rogers from Lento, right? I want to put him on a pedestal. This dude brought farm to table to Rochester. This dude carefully sources his ingredients. He's got high standards as far as what he will serve. And he has trained his entire life to make you your dinner tonight. That's the restaurant I want to eat at in Rochester, on vacation, no matter where I am. Now, chains have, I have a certain respect for chains because I, I, especially in the last couple years of my life, I have a special respect for the concept of like, you know, creating systems and efficiencies. And obviously chains have done an amazing job of creating systems and efficiencies and and whatnot. Um, But in general, going to steer clear of chains as often as possible. Okay, that's just who I am. There is one exception and I will admit this because it is very possible that you already know this, and if not, that I can be caught red-handed doing this. And the one exception is that I will do Starbucks coffee first thing in the morning, but I only really do that because most of the local coffee shops don't even open until like 9 a.m. in some cases. So I, it, it, like honestly, I can't wait till 9 a.m. to go get a coffee. <sighs> anyway. So I went to Wawa. Why did I go to Wawa? Let me explain to you. I'd love to tell you. Because I grew up in Northeast Ohio. And Northwestern Pennsylvania, wait, North, yes, Western Pennsylvania, actually all of Western Pennsylvania, has a chain called Sheets. Sheets is a very famous gas station chain. And what they did, really, that that kind of broke through for them is they revolutionized this thing called made-to-order ordering. Basically, you walk in and you walk up to this touch screen and you just start putting together whatever meal you want to order. And, uh, you know, you could make, and I mean, Sheets was like a great spot to go at 2 a.m. drunk, right? Because you you could make these, you could make yourself like a double cheddar jalapeno bacon burger with peanut butter and like mayonnaise and sprinkles of oregano and Parmesan cheese. Like you just kept hitting buttons until you were like, yes, that, that is what I will take home right now and eat and then uh, wake up in two hours and probably vomit. Um, so, you know, that, that was what Sheets kind of revolutionized. Well, they had a comp competitor who kind of took over northeastern Pennsylvania, the Philly area, right? Northwest was kind of, or not north, I don't know why I keep saying northeast, northwest. Just western Pennsylvania in general 
was always Sheets, and Eastern Pennsylvania in general was always Wawa. Well, down here in Florida, they have a bunch of Wawas. No Sheets, at least not that I know of, but they do have the Wawa. And I had never been to a Wawa, but I've been to Sheets a million times. So I said, okay, I got to go to Wawa. You know, if you've been to McDonald's, you got to try Burger King, right? And I am here to tell you, the reviews are in. I ordered, by the way, I should say I ordered the exact same thing. Exact same thing that I order at Sheets. I got this, um, there was this meal that I used to order so often when I was drunk at Sheets that I actually started to actually like it. It wasn't just drunk food. Do you know how garbage plates are kind of drunk food, but you also kind of just actually like it? A garbage plate, right? That was what this particular sandwich was to me, and I'll explain it in a second. I would I would cautious, caution you to um, proceed with caution when I describe my order because it's embarrassing. But uh, there was this thing that I used to order so often at the Ashtabula, Ohio Sheets that I actually started to like it in real life. And then when I got my job working at a strip club, did I ever talk about that on this podcast? I know I talked about that back on the radio days, but I don't know if I ever talked about this on this podcast. I used to, by the way, the beeping is I'm in a Mazda CX-9, I think. This was my rental car. That's me turning from lane to lane on Alligator Alley as I dodge crazy Floridian cars. Um, I used to work at a strip club for one night a week when I was like 23 years old. It was just a job. You know, they, they came to the radio station looking for a DJ. I was the top 40 guy at the time, and basically that you know, ended up getting to be my gig. I kind of liked it. It was great. But I was basically a DJ at a strip club. I, all I literally did was I pressed play, and then I made the creepy announcements. All right, gentlemen, let's give Paris a round of applause. Paris will be back in just a few minutes. In the meantime, gentlemen, don't be shy. Paris is available for private dances. That's just $20 per song. You know, very creepy. Very embarrassed even to admit that. But I did that. I did that for like six months. That was my job. Even more ironic about that, at the time, I was a virgin. <laughs> like, I was a DJ at a strip club and I was a virgin. I think you could probably tell by taking one look at me. In fact, at one point, there was a uh, one of the strippers named Paradise who called me out on it. Straight up called me out on it. And was like, have you ever even? And I was like, how did you know? Just by looking at me, you knew that? <sighs> okay. Anyway, I used to leave that strip club on Wednesday night, stone cold sober, because I had to work the next day. And it closed early on Wednesday. It was like 10 o'clock closing. And I used to go buy that sheets. And stone cold sober, I would still order this same sandwich. So it's the same sandwich I ordered at Wawa today. And it is a steak sub with cheddar cheese, barbecue sauce. I'm not done. Mayonnaise. I'm not done. Lettuce, tomato, onion. <laughs> I'm not done. Shredded Parmesan and oregano. I don't know where the oregano came from. I don't know. I was just pressing buttons, and then it stuck. So I used to order that at Sheets, like, at least once a week. So this morning, at and by the way, I should say, I really haven't had that sandwich that I just said from Sheets in a few years. Last time, I actually remember the last time. It was January of 2019 is the last time I had that sandwich from Sheets. Because I was in Ohio for uh, this thing called Men Who Cook, this charity event. I went to it with my parents. So this morning I go to Wawa, and yes, I said morning. Yes, I, I ordered that monstrosity in the morning around 9.15 a.m. Currently, as I recorded, is 10.25 a.m. on uh, Wednesday morning. By the time you're hearing this, it's Sunday morning, and I'll be back in Rochester. But as I record, still in Florida. I order the steak sub with all the bells and whistles like I just told you from Wawa. I get in the car. I drive. Honestly, I'm just going to go ahead and admit it. Probably somewhat dangerously because I'm dying to bite into this thing. So I just peel back some of the paper. And I got, I'm keeping my eyes on the road, but I'm looking, I'm trying to peel the eyes on the road, peel the sandwich, eyes on the road, look at the sandwich, road sandwich, road sandwich, road sandwich. Finally, take a bite of the sandwich. And it was good. It was pretty good. It was good. It was good. It was good. The reviews, Sheets versus Wawa, ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to sit here and tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt, Sheets remains champion. Absolutely, Sheets remains 
the first love of my life. Now, you might say to me, but, Paulie, you're biased. You grew up with sheets. This was your first Wawa experience. You might be correct. But I feel my palate is the best it has ever been. And I do feel that at my ripe old age of 38 now, that I could tell you and would, would have the maturity to admit had I been wrong all those years. And I still uh, think that the uh, Sheets steak monstrosity reigns supreme. Thank you very much. But I'm glad to have gotten a Wawa experience. Which brings me back to the original point I was trying to make about chain restaurants. And when it is and when it is not okay to support a chain. The argument to support chains all the time is this. It's, hey, most chains are owned by franchisees. Franchisees are local business people. They live in your community. They spend money in your community. Support local chains, or at least locally owned chains. I hear that. I get that. There's a point there. But there's something to the art of somebody who has spent their entire life perfecting an art. I want to go to that guy's restaurant. That man or woman's restaurant who has spent, you know, a woman who has spent her whole life smoking brisket. She's done it every day for decades, and she's amazing at it. And so now she owns a little shack down here in Florida where she smokes brisket every morning. Oh, I want to go to that restaurant. I'll take that over a chain any day. The only time that I will willingly support a chain, as I did this morning by going to Wawa, is if I am out of town and I see a chain that I've always wanted to go to but never have. Like, for example, what happened this morning with Wawa. I'll give you another really good example of this. Should I find myself one day on the West Coast, on vacation, whatever it might be, and there is an In-N-Out Burger nearby? I have never been to In-N-Out Burger. I would love to try In-N-Out Burger. If I was, oops, hold on, let me decline this phone call. It is a weekday right now. If, it is, if there is an In-N-Out burger near me and I'm on vacation, I don't care if the absolute most glorious, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 locally owned restaurant is nearby. I will actually choose the In-N-Out burger one time. I will choose it one time because it's, it's on the chain bucket list, right? I got to try the chain bucket list. Almost like the OGs, right? Like the McDonald's Big Mac, right? That's a legend, that's a legend. It has achieved legendary status. I will eat it once a year or so. Or so. By or so, I mean eh, two, three times a year. I don't know. Who's counting? So anyway, speaking of chains, the other day, down here in Florida again, uh, our situation is it's me, my wife, my son, and we are staying with my father-in-law, and he is in a town called Bonita Springs, my wife has an aunt who lives in Northport year-round. She's a full-timer down here. And then she has a mother. My wife has a mother, my mother-in-law, who I love very dearly, who is here for the week in Marco Island. And that's actually where I'm driving to right now is to see my mother-in-law where my wife and child are meeting me. But we've been mostly staying with my father-in-law. We drove up Tamiami, which is this really – it's this basically big, long commercial kind of like – I don't think of it like Ridge Road – that goes from Tampa to Miami. So it basically goes the whole state of Florida, hence the name Tamiami. So we drive up Tamiami. By the way, traffic here is awful. It's just awful. It's like 17 miles is easily three times 17 minutes. It's easily, you know, 50 minutes, 45, 50 minutes to drive 17 miles in Florida. So anyway, my aunt-in-law uh, suggests Mission Barbecue. And uh, and my wife's like, oh, we're going to this place called Mission Barbecue. We're going to have barbecue while we're here in Florida. And my first reaction is, I go, oh, good, barbecue. Where are we going? She says, oh, here's the name of it. It's called Mission Barbecue. I go to, to Ryan. I go, well, that's a chain. Why would, Let's not go to a chain. Why a chain? Turns out my theory, my running theory, is that my aunt and uncle-in-law don't know it's a chain. Because when we get in there, they start raving about how you know, the owners of uh, Mission Barbecue, this and that. And it's probably all true. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can tell by being in there. Mission Barbecue, it's, you know, it's all about, like, service people and policemen and firefighters and military. And that's all wonderful. That is fantastic and wonderful. And I think that's great. But it's still a chain. You know, not what I would have chosen if I was told to go find barbecue and I was given the option to choose. 
So we get in there, and, and my aunt is just rave, aunt in law is just raving about how great Mission Barbecue is, and she's got her favorite workers, and they catered her son's wedding, and that's all fine. It's all great. It's all fine. Until I get to the point where I realize that they don't know that it's a chain. Because I mentioned to my uncle-in-law, I go, yeah, they just put one of these in Rochester. There's one of these in Henrietta. And he looked at me with the most perplexed face. And he goes, a barbecue? Because he's from New York originally, right? Nobody's actually from Florida. Everybody's from somewhere else. He goes, a barbecue? They put a barbecue in New York finally in Rochester? And I said, no, uh, a mission bar, specifically mission barbecue. There's one in uh, 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 in Rochester now, uh, this suburb called Henrietta. And he looked at me so confused. And it occurred to me in that moment that they don't realize this is a chain restaurant. (laughs) I'll be honest with you guys. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Am I going to eat dinosaur and or sticky lips over it every single day? Yes, I am. But mission barbecue was by no means bad. It was very good. We had a good meal. Very good meal. So there's my take on chains. So we get down here on Saturday. Kind of a nightmare getting down here. I guess Saturday. So now we're talking about Saturday, March 12th. Okay. Saturday, March 12th, that morning, there had been some storms in the south. Meanwhile, up in Rochester was no uh, walk in the park either. Rochester on the morning of Saturday the 12th was very cold. It was snowing. Meanwhile, in South Florida, there was like a tornado watch in uh, the Fort Myers area, which is where we landed. Winds all over the place. They had rain. It got really cold, like overnight Saturday night into Sunday morning in Florida. Got down to like the mid-40s. Woke up Sunday morning, and it was literally like low 60s. I mean, and again, you know, for Florida, that's cold. So by the time we got on our flight, we were about an hour delayed out of Rochester down to Atlanta. We get to Atlanta, and we've got something like 28 minutes to get to our connecting flight. So we move our freaking asses, which is not easy with a three-year-old. But it was kind of cool for him because we were going on like an escalator. And then after the escalator, we got on the tram, which is kind of like a little train. And then we get back on another escalator. Then we get on another airplane. So it felt like a little adventure for him. We turned it into like an adventure for the little guy. And uh, we just walk up to our gate in Atlanta. As they're saying, final boarding call, Atlanta to Fort Myers, final boarding call. And we're literally just walking up to the plane. We get on the plane just in time, and of our four flights, two down to down to Florida and then two back up to uh, Rochester. And if you're mad at me for not flying direct, the reason is because back in March of 2020, I was supposed to go to Las Vegas for a bachelor party that got canceled, obviously, due to the pandemic and got a full refund on my ticket. And I had a giant credit with Delta because of that. And so I wanted to use my credit and essentially fly for free. So we were essentially forced to fly Delta this time. And uh, uh, the, the, the advantage was the ticket was not free. I don't want to say it was free, but it was paid for like two years ago. So it felt free. And unfortunately, with Delta, no, no direct flight down to the uh, Fort Myers area, at least not when we were looking to fly. So we need to do these connecting flights. And we have a good situation from Rochester down to Atlanta. We're all sitting together. Uh, and then on the way back from uh, Fort Myers, we go to... Um, New York LaGuardia we're all sitting together and then LaGuardia to Rochester we're sitting together but the one flight we were not sitting together because the flight was so close to sold out was that Atlanta to Fort Myers flight we were scattered all throughout the plane so uh, we get there you know our plan was to get there in plenty of time and then talk to the desk agent at the kiosk to try and get our seats switched around but we got there just as they were doing final boarding And, you know, my wife tries to go into full Karen mode and she's like, well, I need to be sitting next to my son. And I'm like, Ryan, they're literally everybody is on this plane. There is no time to switch seats. We got to just get on there and ask people. So we get on there and she goes into mama bear mode and she asks these people to switch some seats. And she and Leo end up together. But I end up back in my original seat, like 12 rows behind them. And I shit you not. I shit you not. I have the row to myself. Okay, hold on a second. Next, the row across from me, there's three people in it. The one sitting on the aisle is a young, hot, by the way, hot, and I can say this because my wife is fully aware of this story, and we laugh about it now, but hot blonde girl who looks at me the second I sit down and says in a thick German accent, excuse me? 
uh, is anyone else sitting here, your family or anything? And I go, uh, no. It's just, do you mind? Can I sit in your row? And I go, yes, sure, please. Make yourself at home. Come on over. So she comes over. She sits down. Then she gets super talkative with me. She wants to talk about everything. She's carrying on. She might have been, like, nervous about flying, but then I find out, no. She is a flight attendant in Europe on some German airline, and she has hitched a ride on Delta because it's free for her, and that's like they have, like, a reciprocal with Delta that they can fly for free. She has hitched a, a, fl- a ride on Delta to go visit her parents where they vacation in Florida. She's alone on the flight. She is 35 years old. This is all information I gather over the course of the next 45 minutes. She is single. And by the way, she is carrying on conversation with moi. Like she's leading the conversation. Literally, my wife, 12 rows up is in hell with a toddler on an airplane who will not sit still, will not stop talking, needs to eat at all moments, and I am 12 rows behind her chatting it up with a hot blonde flight attendant (laughs) from Germany. So that was my experience getting down to Florida. We land in Fort Myers. And then as if it wasn't already bad enough, I mean good enough, I mean bad enough being on that flight, we uh, get we land, and because they've been backed up all day, we get word on the tarmac that we're going to be sitting there for two hours, two hours until we will have an available gate to deplane. So you land, you think you are moments away from getting off the plane and starting your vacation, and as it turns out, you just find out you have two hours to just sit on the tarmac. My wife, poor wife with our toddler, at this point decides, screw this. Polly just spent the last hour and a half chatterboxing with a hot blonde chick. By the way, the two of them have a row to themselves. She decides, fuck this. I'm heading to the back of the plane, and he's taking Leo for the next two hours. I did this, the whole plane ride. If we're going to be sitting here, she comes back. So she comes back with Leo, gives me Leo. Leo sits in between me and the hot blonde. And about 30 seconds later, one of the flight attendants comes and goes, excuse me, he can't sit there. And my wife is ready to go full Karen. And my wife's like, what are you talking about? Turns out I was sitting in an exit lane in one of the emergency exit lanes. And you have to be physically like able-bodied in order to sit in that lane because you're in charge of opening the emergency door in case of an emergency exit. So you can't have a three-year-old sitting in that row, right? So not only... Not only am I still sitting there with the hot bond, my wife tries to give me our child, and the flight attendant literally (laughs) tells her she has to take him back. Oh, God. Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know how that happened. So then we get off the plane, finally, two hours later, and uh, head over to the rental car place. Of course, we're late. We've blown our reservation at this point, and it's like the Seinfeld episode. We find out that um, we find out that the rental car that we've reserved has been given away because we're two hours late for our reservation. No fault of our own, but it is what it is. So they only have so many options. So I'm in this Mazda CX. I don't know what the hell it is. It's like a CX7 or RX7 CX9. I don't know something X dash some number, and it's fine. They knocked some money off the rental price because uh, we were supposed to have an SUV, and this is kind of like a almost like a hybrid SUV, like a mini SUV. Um, they gave me free gas. That's the other thing. They gave me like where I don't have to return it on a full tank, so they're throwing in the gas. And it's all good. It's all good. We drive. You know, we drive to my father-in-law's. We don't get there till about ten o'clock at night. This this is the sweetest, best father-in-law in the world. The guy's got the grill all fired up waits till we get there to throw the burgers on makes us like a fresh dinner at 10 o'clock at night saturday night leo falls asleep 30 seconds into the drive really really uh really sweet then we start our vacation sunday was great monday was great it's been great um then tuesday so again i'm recording this on wednesday so yesterday i take alligator alley over here to see wheeze but before i did that i do have one other alligator story i want to tell alligator alley story i want to tell you the craziest thing happened yesterday. 
while I was driving from the west side of Florida to the east side on this big long stretch of I-75, at one point I see a car pulled over and as I get closer it occurs to me that it's a hearse, which is not that not that big of a deal, right? But it, you notice those kind of things, right? It was interesting. I was like, wow, look at that, it's funny. There's a there's a hearse pulled over on the side of the highway. Huh. I drive about 45 more minutes on this. And it happens again. There's another hearse pulled over on the side of the highway. I'm going, what the fuck? This is the weirdest fucking thing in the world. Two hearses pulled over within like an hour of each other on the highway. What are the odds of that? So yesterday before I headed over to Seawee's, uh, I went to lunch at a place called Burt's Bar in not Fort Myers, but like an island kind of off of Fort Myers. And I'm, I'm mad now that I can't remember, but um, I go to have this lunch with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Gray, Dan Gray and his lovely wife. They live up here full time, down here full time, I should say. But Dan spent years really building the business Bill Gray's. Bill Gray's, if you don't know, is a big corporation that owns Bill Gray's. It owns Tom Walls. It owns Hagedorn's. And it is one of Rochester's kind of best kept secrets is the fact that Bill Gray's and Tom Walls are owned by the same people because... Yes, I heard from Dan yesterday. He's every once in a while they'll get a complaint. It'll be like somebody'll go, Beh, I don't like Bill Gray's. I'm going to Tom Walls from here on out. <laughs> and he'll be like, Great, sounds good. Enjoy the exact same burger. Uh, not the exact same, but you know. So anyway, I have this wonderful lunch with Dan and uh and, and and his lovely wife. And I did bring with me my podcast equipment, as is evidenced by the fact that I'm currently recording a podcast on my way home, but, you know, we just had a wonderful lunch, and it was loud, and we were on the back of this bar, and, like, it was so great because those guys are locals at this point, so they brought me to a non-touristy, like, little, like, fish shack, basically, and I had blackened grouper sandwich and it was just like the type of thing that you... Oh, it was a blackened grouper Reuben, actually. A blackened grouper Reuben sandwich. Um, and it was just the type of thing that I don't think I would have come to that place without having had a local be able to hit me to it, you know? So, yeah, so it's all good. You know, I have this wonderful lunch, but before I know it, it's been two hours, and I got to get on the road because I got to get all the way over to Fort Lauderdale in order to take Weez and his lovely wife out to dinner... So I don't have time to record this podcast as much as I wanted to. I'm looking at the clock going, shit, I'm just not going to have time to do this. So maybe I'll get Dan on via, you know, a, a, some sort of a remote connection at some point or maybe not. I mean, it was just a great conversation. Um, we talked a little business, uh, but for the most part, just talked in general about life and, and yeah, business, what it was like to run business during the pandemic. Um, really, anything he told me is not my business to share, so I won't be sharing any of that, but uh, you know, just a really great conversation with two really wonderful people and uh, honored to know them and honored to have people to be able to go out to lunch with while I'm here. You know, it's funny, a couple of, uh, uh, I was supposed to have, really supposed to have break bread with three Rochester legends while I was down here. Um, Brother Wees, which I did last night, and of course I'm, I'm waiting, I'll get to that. Uh, Dan Gray of Bill Gray's fame, which of course I just told you about. And on Monday, I was actually supposed to go get lunch with Red Osier. The, uh, the original, the guy, Red himself, Red Osier. Uh, but unfortunately, and I really hope I'm not oversharing here, he ran into some health issues and had to cancel our lunch. And we may still get together on Friday before I head back to Rochester, but unfortunately did not get a chance to, to see Red the way we had originally planned. Maybe that'll still come together, maybe not. But after I left that lunch yesterday, I hustled my ass over to Fort Lauderdale. Got to my hotel, stayed at a hotel called Cambria, which I do highly recommend. Very high-tech. It's right on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. Great, wonderful place. Um, like, high-tech, too. It was. You walk in, and, like, you have to put your card in the little – there's, like, a little sleeve when you walk into the room that you put your, your room card into in order to make the room work. <laughs> like, in order to literally to make the electricity in the room work. The, the mirror was a Bluetooth mirror. Like, it was just a very kind of hip new joint. Turns out it's brand new. They just built this place. So I get there. I unpack real quick. First of all, I drive around for 10 minutes trying to figure out where to park. Turns out it's mandatory valet parking, which kind of pissed me off, too. Mandatory valet. How are they going to mandatory valet parking? They just don't have any space down there is what it is. 
So I drive around the block for like 10 minutes looking where I can park for either free or for, you know, a nominal fee. But it turns out the only place I can park for this freaking hotel is valet. So I pull in. $35 later, thank you very much. $35 freaking dollars, mandatory valet. You want to have your car there, you have to valet my freaking butt. $35 later. You tell them a little bitter about the $35. $35 later as I valet at this freaking Cambria. Get up to my room, beautiful room, get changed real quick. Honestly, too quickly because I'm like sweating because it's hot out. Plus, I put on nice clothes because Wee's described the restaurant he was taking us to last night as the quote unquote very best restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. So I'm like, okay, this is no uh, fish shack. This is definitely going to require some, uh, you know, shirt and pants. Luckily, I came equipped. So I get dressed real quick, I head downstairs, and there's a crowd in the lobby. And I'm like, what the what the hell is going on? Because remember, it's kind of spring break. Like, all of March is kind of spring break down here in Florida. You see a ton of kids, just a ton of college kids. Uh, and I think between all the different weeks in March, like, there's different, co- you know, different colleges have different weeks of spring break. So, basically, there's, like, three a three-week period down here where there's just places just jam-packed with college kids, especially over there, especially Fort Lauderdale, Miami. So... I get down to the lobby, and it's just jam-packed full of people. And I'm going, what the hell? Seemed a little weird. I walk to the front door, and the general manager walks up to me and says, I'm sorry, sir, we're currently on lockdown. I go, huh? And, of course, I haven't heard the word lockdown in the last couple hours unless it related to COVID. So I'm thinking, I'm like, what? I thought Florida was, like, the state that ignored COVID. Like, what do you mean I'm on lockdown? I can't leave my hotel? So, I, I don't know. I say something relatively respectful to her. I go, oh, oh, really? Well, what's going on? I mean, I, I'm just trying to go across the street because this restaurant was kind of across the street. And um, she tells me there has been a shooting in the in the area. And I go, oh, oh, you know what? I'm from Rochester. There's always a shooting in the area. I'll just walk right across the street. It'll be fine. I'm happy to risk it. She says, no, it was pretty close. I go, um how close she points to an intersection very very close to where we are and she was right there at a at this little bar called shooters she's like right there at shooters and i go oh shit and then she goes they haven't caught the guy he shot someone and then ran and i go oh shit okay i get it i see why we're locked down but for whatever reason, I was in such a hurry and, like, I didn't want to, like, I just didn't want to disappoint Wheeze and be like, oh, I'm here, but now I'm in lockdown. So I just asked her, I go, is there any way you can just let me take my life into my own hands? And I will literally just run across the street so I can meet my friends. I have not seen them in two years. She looks at me and she says, you know what? I'm parked inside. I will drive you over there. And I go, oh, my God, that is so nice. And honestly, it was so nice. I'm thinking I need to call this hotel, like, in the next couple of days. Or or honestly, because she was the general manager of the hotel. I don't even know who I would tell this to. I might call, like, the corporate headquarters or something of Cambria, whatever. I'm sure they belong to some hotel chain. Because that was so nice of her. She literally drove me across the street, which with Fort Lauderdale traffic took about 45 minutes. I'm just kidding. That was quick. That happened fast. And she drops me off, and there's Weez standing at the um, sort of like the guard shack. I shouldn't refer to it as a shack. It looks like a castle, but basically the entrance area to his condo because he lives in a condo, and it's um, gated. You know, you can't just walk up to this condo. Like, you have to be somebody or know somebody, or they have to have your name at the shack. So he's standing at the shack so he can basically give the green light to let me in. And I get out of this car, and I give him a big hug, and he gives me a kiss on the cheek. And my heart was so happy. I was so happy to see him. And listen, with all due respect, I was with Weez for 10 years. We had ups, we had downs. Were there days I got frustrated? Of course there were. Were there days he was frustrated with me? Of course there were days he was frustrated with me. But when you encompass the entire 10 years, and you take all those 10 years, and you wrap them up into one little thing and you say what is that little thing you take all those 10 years and you condense them into a ball you point at that ball and you say paul what is that ball that ball is all love the ball is all love 
and I was so freaking happy to see this guy after two years. It was just, it really was emotional, and it was so much, it was so great, and the best part was, it felt like we picked up right where we left off, right? Like, there was just no shyness, no awkwardness, just immediately started chatting, immediately, he starts giving me a tour, his condo, by the way, <laughs> please, oh my god, I don't know if he wants me to say this or doesn't want me to say this, but his condo is ridiculously nice. Just, I mean, rich person noise, okay? Just walking up to it. It's like you're walking into a, a condo. Like, okay, close your eyes and picture George Clooney's Italian villa. Do you know what that looks like, that, that mansion? That's what his condo building looks like from the outside. Then you go in, and of course on the inside, you feel like you've walked into a five-star hotel. You go up an elevator, the elevator opens, guess where you are when the elevator opens? You're in his living room. <laughs> the elevator essentially opens in his foyer, you know, and then there's the living room. I walk into his living room, and the view is unreal. It is a zillion dollar view. This is the type of view people die for. It is just all Atlantic Ocean. All you see out his windows is just ocean. You basically feel like you are on top of or in the ocean. You ever been on a cruise ship and had a balcony? His condo is like permanently living with one of those balconies right on the water. Shows me around the condo quite a bit. Of course, everything is beautiful. It's just all amazing just state-of-the-art everything <laughs> we pour some drinks he's got a whole little bar going i choose rochester's own iron smoke casket strength bourbon whiskey sip on that with a couple of ice cubes we sit and catch up for an hour or so and then uh, we walk next door to dinner to this restaurant called auberge a-u-b-e-r-g-e which he has described again as the quote-unquote very best restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. So I'm kind of excited, actually. You know, I'm like, okay. But I'm also a little nervous. A little nervous. Because down here, you know what you see a lot? And you see this in Rochester, too. But down here, you see this all the time. Next to things, you'll see, instead of a price, you'll see MP. You know what MP stands for? MP stands for market price. You know what that means? That means there is no price. That means price is whatever they say it is. And they're going to say... Whatever they want to say, because it's based on whatever they... It's supposed to be based on whatever they paid for it that day. So fish, you know, would be a good example of something down here a lot you'll see listed as market price. Because the idea is, oh, yeah, every morning we go to the fish market and buy the freshest fish. And uh, whatever we pay, we, we market up a certain percent, and, and that's what you pay, young man. So that's the idea behind it, but I don't know. I always think it's a little fishy. You never know. Pardon the pun. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff marked as MP market price. Uh, Wee's orders Branzino, which has been one of his favorite fish since honestly, I've known him for years. Doreen orders tuna. Oh, I forgot appetizers. We got some grilled octopus and also a seafood salad, which was uh, the the server said it wasn't like a ceviche, but honestly, it was kind of like a ceviche. Then uh, I did the thing where I said I have never been here before. I will likely never be here again. Sir, waiter that is, server, sir, please give me the thing that I absolutely must try if it is my one and only time eating at this restaurant. And I would like to be surprised. He says, okay, got you. Leaves, comes back. He brings me veal milanese, which was delicious. Excellent choice. For dessert, we order half the menu, peanut butter and chocolate cake, uh, a couple of different homemade ice creams. Uh, this was an interesting one. Banana misu. So basically tiramisu, but made with banana. And what was the last thing? Oh, key lime pie, which is a Florida thing. Which the key lime pie might have been the best I've ever had in my whole life. This key lime pie. And we eat and we drink and we have good times. And I will tell you this. The conversation was about everything. We talked about my family. We talked about their family. We talked about my job we talked about their job was there some stuff you'd probably be dying to hear about radio i'm really sorry to do this to you but there was and i just don't feel like it's my place to share it i don't 
it's not my place. It was a private conversation amongst friends. And, um, you know, I, would, I wouldn't want to betray someone's trust in that way. So I, I cannot sit here and just start spilling on, you know, what Weiss thinks of this and what Weiss thinks of that. Uh, it was all good. Here's what I can tell you. The man is in a wonderful place. He lives in paradise. He told me probably the best thing he told me was that he at least once per day, at least once per day, stops and has a moment with himself where he thinks, I can't believe this is where I live. Because, again, you, you just you have to understand his condo is out of this world beautiful. And I thought that that was amazing. I think that just means he's in a good place. He's doing what he loves. He's doing radio every morning. And he's, he's you know, he's in a good place. And, you know, I, I also want to tell you this. Did Weez make good money over the years? Of course he did. But I want to tell you this. He gives all the credit for that condo to Doreen. And he says, she invested. She invested what I made correctly. And the fact that she made the investment she made makes it possible for us to live where we live. So you can sit and look and say, well, he earned a lot of money. And, of course, his earnings, of course, helped them get to where they are. But Doreen is every much a part of that, too, because of the way that she managed that money over the years. Uh, just really a good, just a beautiful team, a, te- a really good team, team effort on, on uh, achieving all their life goals and dreams. So... I had a great time. Uh, it was just a wonderful night. It was it was so good, too, because, you know, I got a hotel room, so I stayed by myself. Because at my father-in-law's place, I am sleeping on a day bed. Not the worst. I've definitely slept on worse, but not the best either. And tonight and tomorrow night in Marco Island, I am sleeping in a hotel room on a cot. On a freaking cot. So I needed last night. I needed that one night of having, like, a king-size bed to myself in a hotel room with no screaming toddlers. (laughs) But overall, it was amazing because I got the opportunity last night to say to Weez something that I am so glad I got to say to him. And I got to tell him and Doreen both, I got to say, I love you. I appreciate you. I am sorry for any time that it appeared that I did not appreciate what I had with you. And uh, I want you to know that when I look back on it, it is nothing but love for me. And and again, I told you I wouldn't tell you really anything he said, but it, you know, in this case, I think it's probably okay to tell you. He told me, he said, you know, I echo the sentiment. I feel the exact same way. And so that felt great. It just felt great. Um, do I wish I had done a podcast with Weez? Sure I do, but it didn't feel right, you guys. It just didn't feel right to say, oh, and by the way, let me uh, let me stick this microphone in your face, and because what's going to happen if I do, right? What's going to happen if I do? Sure, we'll probably tell some good stories. It'll be fun. We'll have some laughs, but inevitably we'd probably end up talking about radio, and you know, you might love it, but maybe it would have turned out being harmful in some way, and I just wouldn't want to do that at this point. So uh, harmful, I'm saying, like in the sense that you know, get it, it would have been difficult for me not to ask his opinion of some things to which he probably would have either said no comment or would have given his opinion in which case, you know, drama. So, uh, no, no, uh, no, no sharing in regards to details on that. Uh, so (coughs) excuse me, a wonderful night, really enjoyed it. I'll try to come back too. Here's the thing. I, I have a feeling, you know, a week in Florida could be in our future for the foreseeable future so really uh i'm looking forward to it i I would like to come back at some point and uh see them again maybe maybe not every year maybe every other year something like that who knows so i think that's about it what else do i have for you i don't know woke up this morning did my wawa thing and looks like according to the map i am uh only about 30 minutes away from marco island so doing pretty good i appreciate you listening thank you very much Thank you for being here. I'm sorry I didn't deliver on any of the interviews that I told you I would. But you know, good old me. Shitty producer as always. <laughs> not getting not getting the guests I said I would. <laughs> back, uh, just right back in time. It was funny because I was talking to Weez and he's telling me how, 
you know, over the years, he's had so many people say to him, you know, ah, oh, that Pauly, man, he'd be nowhere if uh, you hadn't, you know, if he wasn't on your show, he'd be nowhere. And we started up by saying, he goes, bro, every time I tell him it's not true, that kid worked his balls off. And I say, Weez, it is true. It is true. Look, it's like a sauce. And by the way, I, I don't even want to count it as a success yet. We're still very much in the middle of it, working and trying to build this thing every single day. But I look at, like, at it like a sauce. Many ingredients go into the success of a business. And yes, of course, we worked our, quote-unquote, worked our balls off. But on top of that, the sauce was good. On top of that, we were in the right place at the right time. But on top of all that, I had this exposure on this super popular radio show for 10 years, six of which I had this business, where I got an absolute ton of exposure that most brands would never get. I'm not blind to that or stupid. I understand that that was a huge launching pad for me and for my business, but I will say it did require several other ingredients, most of those having to do with hard work and resilience to get where we got and are still trying to go to. So, uh, you know, anyway, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And just remember, by the time you're listening to this, I am no longer on vacation in Florida. I'm right with you in freaking crappy Great Till May Rochester. No, no, I don't want to say crappy Rochester. Love Rochester. Love Rochester. Love, love, love Rochester. Feels like home to me. But it is tough to argue with 80-degree weather in the middle of the winter, you know? (laughs) 